what kind of things do you recommend that they consider when, uh, wow, words are not easy today. Brought to you by Island. This is the Cloud Bytes podcast, where we bring together panels of opinionated cloud customers, providers, and analysts to discuss topics related to how clouds are built, marketed, and consumed. Everyone has different needs in the cloud, so we'll debate the topic at hand, and at the very least, agree to disagree. Our goal is to provide good sound bites about how to manage your bites in the cloud. And sometimes the best conclusion may simply be that the cloud bites. This episode is all about the concerns customers have with the readiness of their applications in the cloud. My name is Brian Knudsen, the Director of Cloud Market Intelligence for ILAN, and I will be acting as our moderator for today's discussion. This episode's panel includes a great array of perspectives on supporting applications. Let's start with having each of our panelists quickly introduce themselves with their current role and a soundbite of their initial thoughts about what is important when considering concerns about application readiness in the cloud. Hi, Brian, and thanks for having me. My name is Jim Jones, and I am a cloud architect here at iLand. And before that, at another VCSB, and before that, for about 20 years, I was an admin for a variety of SMBs and small government organizations. So I've been on both sides of the fence. So my thoughts on application cloud readiness is we are very much so getting there. That is not an end game, but it is a much different conversation than it was five years ago. Howdy, y'all. Joe Hughes, currently a solutions architect at Veeam Software, long time in the customer space and also have worked on the service provider side before. I would say, you know, my perspective for application readiness in the cloud is just that you need to be aware of your dependencies and you need to be prepared for when those dependencies being the cloud itself go offline. Hi there. Thanks for having me. My name is Amit Panchal. I'm based out of the UK, as you can tell. And I work for Dell Technologies as a VMware technology lead, focusing on the full gamut of the VMware technology solutions. And yeah, prior to that, I was a customer for many, many years as well. So um, yeah, that's a bit of background about myself. And application readiness for the cloud. Wow, what a title. So it always becomes paramount for me to really level set with everyone around this topic because it's always an afterthought. And so I want this to be created in the design for everyone to embrace cloud and not in the post design in terms of how do we fix application readiness. So that's really my key statement there. Great. Thank you all for joining me. Information technology is all about providing end users access to data via applications. Without applications, there is no information. So when we start moving workloads to the cloud, it's critical to ensure the application is going to continue to function in the way we want it to. However, not every application is going to work in every cloud scenario, just like they didn't in the early days of virtualization. Jim, are we at the point where just about any application can safely be migrated to the cloud? Brian, so I think that that is largely dependent on what your definition of what the cloud is. If we take the old cliche of there is no cloud, there is just someone else's computer, really any application can be run in the cloud. That said, I wouldn't even want to think about running, say, an Exchange server on AWS or in public cloud. And I think that's where we see situations where, I guess, more traditional IaaS, you know, non-cloud native offerings like what iLand has with 
its IaaS services that are running on top of vSphere have an important part to play. We're not going to move these legacy, you know, three-tiered, thick client applications to the quote-unquote public cloud probably ever. They just don't make economic sense. But at the same time, we need that greater availability in a lot of situations. We straight up just need them out of our data centers. And that's where I think we're at. And I think that's where those are going to end. Yeah, just to echo your thoughts as well, Jim, that's really spot on there. And I totally agree that not everything is fit for public clouds, just to make sure that we do emphasize on that term. But you are right. The SLA, the SLO, and all those kind of requirements, they're typically an afterthought when people are designing for this important topic. And it is really key that the architects and the designers, when they first think about how do I move this application, they sort them out into the right categories in order to understand exactly, is it going to meet a set of requirements that I've defined or is it not going to? And that just determines where that workload resides. So I would say that... One of the problems that we have with people that have missed this in the planning phase is they don't necessarily have the objectives defined as why they're potentially migrating an application to the cloud, right? It's just the either don't make it my problem or I don't actually have anything inside of this objective that defines why it's better to live in a particular public cloud or in the public cloud in general versus it being hosted. And a lot of times it's just the migration of, you know, yeah, get it at least out of my immediate blast radius that I'm responsible for. Yeah. So it's going to take a lot of effort up front. And I think that's the main message here is the upfront planning is key and making sure that whatever cloud you select is going to be able to meet what you want it to meet. So Mitt, what kind of things as we talk about these requirements and the planning and design ahead of time, what kind of things do you recommend customers consider while they're assessing these different cloud providers and if their applications will actually work in their clouds? Yeah, that's a really great question. And I think we touched on it when we opened up the episode just now. And it's application readiness is determined on those key dependencies and not just dependencies. For me, you know, when I talk to a lot of customers, especially when you start going up to department heads and C-level, you know, things like cost, efficiencies in terms of, you know, even little things like procuring, how does OPEX work? You know, it's not totally related to the application, but it is a really important factor for an organization. And those are kind of all the key requirements there that customers need to be pulling out before they really jump in hard in terms of, you know, I've got a Microsoft-only strategy or I've got an Amazon-only strategy. You know, those are easy words to say. But on paper, once you start listing out, and, you know, really key example here is, you know, I I had a customer with, say, it was around 6,000 applications a couple of years ago. And, you know, they were just jumping in heavy into a cloud, but no sort of readiness assessment was done. And if they'd have just stepped back and did that kind of dependency mapping, cost optimization and scalability and understanding, they probably would have ruled out more than 50% of those applications as you know suitable today. So those are the kind of things I'm often talking about that you need to really you know 
bury that in your design at the beginning and think about all those requirements. So one thing, you know, kind of going off of you, Amit, that comes to my mind is asking customers to ask why they are looking to move a given application or set of applications to the cloud. I don't know about the rest of you, but I've had the experience or had conversations of person X goes to a conference, comes back, and all of a sudden it's, well, we need to get all our things to the cloud. And then the next question should, in often most situations, be, well, why? And, you know, it shouldn't be a peer pressure type of situation. There needs to be real discussion about the why we're trying to get it out there, whether that be an economic move, whether that be a disaster recovery conversation, whether that be a, you know, whatever reason it is, but it's not a light decision. At least for me, you know, we start looking at moving applications out to public cloud. There's more considerations or I guess different considerations that have to come into this. Are we going to have to refactor the application? What kind of security constraints do we have to have around it? How many sites do we want to look at being able to replicate this into so that we know it's well protected? You know, those are some considerations that I think often get ignored. What do you guys think? I think you touched on one thing that I have always found to be critical with any decision like this. So I went through this as a customer moving into a virtualization environment. Should we just move the application over with a P2V? Should we reinstall the application in a fresh, clean, brand new virtual machine and OS install? Should we completely gut it and start over again? Should we look at a whole different software package to completely replace what we've got now because we've got the opportunity to do it? Maybe we should consider that. And so, you know, there's a different number of R's people talk about with refactoring, replatforming, rearchitecting, among others that, you know, as you move to the cloud, I think is important to look at. And, and you kind of touched on that, Jim. Yeah, I think you at least have to step back and truly go through your application and the entire stack to just understand all the components that are there, because there may be places where you get cost benefits or you may get benefits to your application as it relates to either performance or even just monitoring and metrics. If you migrate from your own hosted components to cloud-based components. You know, I totally agree with that. And, uh, you know, cost is also a massive factor, right? And we think of the largest enterprises on this planet and you think about how important that monthly bill is, right? And for them, it's about predictability, okay? And so that predictability can't be had without understanding all these requirements that we're talking about today. And so, you know, that's often there to be talked about to say, do you know about this kind of egress traffic you're going to be generating with your application? And the number one thing is people won't know that, but it needs to be measured. It needs to be thought about at the outset because cost is huge when you're talking hundreds and thousands. You know, for a small shop, when we're talking tens and twenties, okay, might not be, but as we get to that scale, cost is huge. And which is why we've seen that explosion of all the kind of cost management solutions out there in the industry. Yeah, and cost is a key part of any decision. Cloud makes it a little bit more difficult in many cases, and, and we will cover that on other episodes of the podcast, so I won't get too much into that, but it's definitely always a part of the conversation. But let's say that we've taken all this time, we've, we've done the upfront planning, 
we've considered all of our requirements and our needs and our desires when moving into the cloud, but sometimes things get through and an application may simply just not be ready to run in the cloud for whatever reason. Joe, I'm curious if you've seen what customers could experience in that situation and you know what options they might have at that point. I mean, that really becomes difficult. It depends on what they identified when doing any sort of planning, whether that was for, you know, migration itself or replatforming, or as they were just trying to, you know, document and define their requirements for different components of their application stack. And really, in the end, it's kind of hard to step back. At that point, it's really better to just come up with a better plan as you encounter any sort of hurdles throughout that to kind of shift as you're going a lot of times rather than saying, oh, let's halt this entirely and go back to the drawing board. Yeah. So contingencies that you may need to come up with, it may be a complete back out, but it may be, hey, parts of this can go forward, even though other parts may not. Yeah. And sometimes it may be just that even to Amit's point about considering the cost, you know, as we're looking at some of these cloud hosted services, sometimes it may actually be worth increased costs that will actually come out on a monthly bill for the fact that for a while you're going to understand that those costs will be higher when you're making a migration as you're going to a managed service. But in the long term, you might save on operations costs, or you might at least get to the point where you can actually pick apart which portions of your application are consuming those services and truly be able to do chargebacks or at least be able to identify where those costs are within the applications and what benefits those really bring to the business, where a lot of organizations just never had the ability to cut through all of the complexity to get that true billing back by an application stack or a particular workload. Yeah, no, I'm just going to mention the the word, you know, that comes up in the news so often, repatriation, right? And we've all heard those horror stories from various organizations that have gone full guns blazing into the public cloud. And so, you know, there is a back out plan. Sometimes it's not a planned plan, put it that way. So you're doing it live. You're having to, you know, have emergency meetings to think, you know, why did we decide this and how are we going to undo what we did? But, you know, some of those are really good lessons. And and that's why I think there is no real cookie cutter approach to this, you know, having this application readiness in the cloud. Every organization is going to have a different challenge, but we're just talking about those steps to mitigate that risk of choosing which application is most optimally placed in which public cloud or even a private cloud or service provider. And so I think these are the tools that we have in our kind of utility belt that help us make sure that our customers, our partners understand how important it is before they go on these kind of important decision-making routes. Yes, I mean, building on that, I feel like this is, you know, kind of the culmination of why the term hybrid cloud exists and why I feel like that's where we're finally kind of landing on the on-prem to cloud pendulum, if you will. I think we're all of a certain time in IT on this call enough to agree with the idea that, you know, we all started on-prem and then there was a massive rush for a while for all of us to move everything to the cloud that we could possibly think of. And then those cost overruns started to hit or the performance problems hit, et cetera, et cetera. And then we have found ourselves in this happy medium where it's 
you put the load where it makes sense and that's where it should stay until something changes. Yeah. And that phrase that you used before Amit around repatriation has definitely come up in other podcast episodes that we've had because that is the ultimate backout plan is somehow you bring it back on premises and depending on the application, that may be a major effort or maybe a minor effort. Curious if any of you have any stories on that where we can kind of use to demonstrate what point it was decided it would be less painful to move it back and what may have been required in order to make that happen. I can go ahead and speak up here. So at a previous role, it wasn't so much that we moved an application to the cloud as much as we moved it to a cloud-based software as a service. And it was a vendored application to start with. And we were staying with the same vendor. And they're like, yeah, we're going to move it to the cloud, et cetera, et cetera. Here's your SLAs. You know, everything looks great. And once it was moved outwards, it was just, frankly, a dog performance-wise. And in this situation, I was working what was effectively a mortgage enterprise And this was our line of business for everything. And, you know, if you can't work efficiently, then you can't close loans efficiently. And it's not exactly a process that's efficient to start with. So, you know, it was a time is money situation. And with that, we ended up having to go, you know, with a completely separate vendor, a lot of cost involved in porting data from one platform to another, training staff on a new way to do things and standing up all the infrastructure to do it ourselves. It was a massive undertaking. I've had a similar experience probably back in um, 2018, 2019 timeframe where we had a kind of major financial services company that had already embarked on uh, developers going out to cloud to actually test applications and rapidly moving it to production. And those ones are the stories that you always uh, remember. And, you know, in that case, they just realized that, you know, the costs were spiraling out of control and it was actually better in that scenario to have that application on premises. And so getting it back on premises was a difficult task because it was having to unpick that application and make sure its constituent parts could be phased in back to an on-premises location. And luckily for me, I wasn't doing the hard work there and it was just more of an observer. But nowadays, you know, if we can make that easier by having some sort of software-defined stack that sits in all these different locations, we do make that life a lot easier for customers going forwards. I've definitely seen the similar story to what Jim has stated, where trying to move from a legacy on-prem application to a SaaS provider has caused some massive pain. We actually had an instance where we went from a legacy kind of custom-built version of an application to their newer SaaS offering, which unfortunately was built for a use case that was really not truly what we had based on the previous customized version of that app. So we had to do a bit of a repatriation to what ended up being a newer version of the custom app, which really was just a port of the SaaS application. But the back and forth of that and the cost of having that application that really truly was not owned by the business, even though it was something that was super critical and that we had still put tons of time into custom development around 
got us to the point that we just decided it was a better investment in the company resources to hire people and truly make that application our own. So we just rebuilt it from scratch, from the ground up to give us what we needed and to get out of being reliant on a SaaS provider that had their own outages or their own integration issues or a custom application where we were essentially still paying for development. They just lived at the vendor side instead of within our org. So we went through a few different motions around trying to move to cloud, even though it was on a SaaS platform, and then trying to move back and seeing the pain of that, and then just decided that in the company's best interest, it was worth them spending the money to actually just own that application and be able to do whatever they wanted with it. And then in the future, migrating to our own application, living on a cloud platform was essentially painless. Yeah, that's a really interesting use case there where you essentially went from using an application to wanting to use the cloud to realizing you needed your own application that was kind of your own special version or your own special thing. You know, three very dramatically different ways of doing applications that all kind of got involved there. Yeah, I'm just going to chime in quickly that, you know, you can have a mix of those SaaS, PaaS, IaaS constituent parts that make a single application, which a lot of people actually don't really realize. They think actually I must go all IaaS, all SaaS, all PaaS, or, or something like that, right? But um, we've seen like companies where they've got one application and those constituent parts are spread. And so if it makes sense, then by all means do it, but do your due diligence upfront to understand where is best placing that single part of the app. And that sets you up for that goal of application readiness just for the one single app in this case. It's just absolutely worth reiterating. Consumption of the cloud is not a singular decision. It should be a part of a larger strategy and a part of your own company's strategy by all means, but it doesn't mean it should be everything at the same time. Yeah, and I think through all this, there's a thread of not getting everything up to the cloud is not failure. There's definitely good reasons to keep things on premises or have to switch it to a SaaS or IaaS model as necessary. I'd say uh, this topic has been pretty fascinating, you know, discussing this with everyone today, and it should just enhance and, and educate all the listeners out there that it's a real key part of this journey, right? And the buzzword out there is obviously transformation right now and digital transformation in the industry but application readiness is a massive part of this transformation journey and so if people are still struggling with it you know start with assessing applications even start with a small set of applications or think about the applications that you've been longing to retire for a while and you know have that goal in mind because if you've got that goal or you can split into a small bite-sized goal, you can start on your journey to assessing applications. You don't have to do the whole application landscape in one hit. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic note to end on there. It's important to know that any application can run in the cloud, but it really depends on the cloud and that you know not every application is going to run on every cloud. And the key thing, as it is with most things in IT, is that planning and upfront design is important, but maybe even more so in the cloud just because of the nature of the changes it introduces. Now, really understanding your application is important as well as considering your technical requirements and your non-technical requirements like cost, any training or new tools that you need to utilize, what's going 
to the cloud really going to accomplish for you? You know, understanding the real business need for wanting to move to the cloud, amongst other many non-technical considerations. And then, you know, considering all the different components of a given system, which applications are talking to which other applications, how are they tied together, what databases are involved, and including any customizations that you make to an application, because those are oftentimes going to trip you up, especially if you're going from a vendor on-prem to the same vendor in the cloud. That planning that you do really should also include contingencies, because as we all know in IT, things don't always go as expected, and you need to understand and be able to quickly assess this very complicated migration that you're probably going through and all the implications of it, including do we have to completely fail the migration or can we do a partial failure and only bring over part of it? Cost is tied into everything in the cloud and and should be a part of your contingency planning as well to understand at what point does it become cheaper to try and force it to work in the cloud versus taking it back on-prem? And time can definitely be a factor in that as well. And, you know, when it comes down to it, every application and organization is going to have different plans, different experiences, different reasons they're going to the cloud. So your plans are going to be unique for your organization. Doesn't mean you can't take advice from others, talk to your peers, talk to other customers of the vendor you're working with to understand what it takes and and what roadblocks have gotten in the way, but understand that you should never fully trust someone else's plan for your own business. So a lot to take into consideration there. It's obviously a key part of it, but hopefully this was all useful to everyone. But at that, let's go ahead and finish off this episode of the Cloud Bytes podcast. Thank you to Jim, Amit, and Joe for a great conversation. Also, thanks to iLand for making this podcast possible. Please check out all the episode notes, panelist contact information, further information on this topic, and all the other episodes at cloudbytes.cloud. You can also find our episodes on your favorite podcast apps. If you found this content useful, we'd appreciate you sharing with your friends and colleagues and rating us on your favorite podcast platforms. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Cloud Bytes podcast. butcher the name of it but on hbo max there is like the great pottery cook-off or something like that <laughs> and it's a spin of it's a spin-off of the great british bake-off but it's all pottery oh, it made no. for some excellent <laughs> sleeping uh, oh man i've got visions of ghosts to the movie in my head <laughs> oh, <Nice. God. laughs> it's all fun and games until patrick swayze comes out with a british accent <laughs>